This place, Kilmichael, is a kind of a touchstone in our history. This is where 18 auxiliaries were killed by Tom Barry's flying column in the War of Independence, a turning point. Three of Barry's men died in that engagement. In this place, at a natural chicane in the road, history is still alive. In the recent past, to show your face here was in itself a political statement. In this place and its hinterland and places like it, this state was born. And maybe we would have a minute's silence. were with the Republicans that were with him. They were with him. We were not twisting. So that uh, McCroom was uh, more English backing than Republican at that time. Even in our street, you could count the houses that were Republican. You know? This is Dinny O'Sullivan and his nephew Brendan O'Brien. So the pity I don't have some memory of what's on the other side that I could tell people. <laughs> Dinny has a fierce memory. He says he could count the buttons on the uniforms. Every Sunday evening, my mother and the family at that time used to go visiting uh, a cottage in Cordrum outside McCroom. And we started off after dinner this Sunday we came, we'd come on to a little bridge called the Drogheen. Now, uh, just as we came to the Drogheen, my mother said, Oh, there's two black and hands coming down next to us. They were coming towards the bridge to cross to the Cordrum Road and I think go home then that way again. Anyhow, uh, they, I, I looked at them, and uh, they, they, they were fully clad, revolver in each, in each leg, like, low down they were. And they were coming on behind us, uh, maybe uh, maybe 20, 20 feet or that way, in a chatty way, and when we had covered the distance of about half a mile, they had gained a little bit more from us behind. So we we got to the, the Glen Gate. They were, they were 
kom jaan weer in die heer op de bek. En uh, maybe from here now to seven or eight feet, we had shots. Well, I look back, I remember looking back, well, there was a, a blob of smoke. You know, I didn't see bits, only smoke first. I saw a man on the ground. And uh, we kept going, and just as we went another few feet, this blackened hand came along, holding his hand like this, high up, and it was all blood. All blood. He cleverly kept inside us on the footpath. You see the children around, and he kept inside us all the ways down along, uh, along the wall, and he left in. He, I think, I don't know which of them died. One of them died anyway. But uh, afterwards, then we heard that. From good authority, that they were following him down along inside the wall, but he was huge, you know. We were sheltering him with the children, and they couldn't fire any more because they wanted to kill the two of them. Like, one of them died, of course. I'd say the fellow was in the ground. Tell me, how did the people of the town react to the shooting of the Black and Tens, your neighbours? In the town, that time. To split, because an awful lot of them were people that were making their living through England, and they didn't want to be causing all the trouble, you know. Mm-hmm. We're hand in hand now, but but I mean the the, the wounds are there, and, and people will never get rid of them. Yeah. When it was all over and. Uh... Civil war was over and the tans had all gone home. Did the people in the town then have to get on together? The people that liked the English as well as the... Mm, the answer is no. No. The, the want bitterness multiplied. The, 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 the 1922, when the Free State Army were established, costings that started the civil war. And... You know, brother against brother then and these two two free staters were coming down the road driving a jeep they opened fire on uh, the two free staters anyway they opened fire on them and they ran with their car up against the pillar the two were killed I won't say murder because a lot of them deserved it was a civil war, and that was it. That him. Yeah. The bitterness. Because bitterness was kindled that time by action. Uh, there's always, there's always that blot between people, you know, uh, when they think today, oh, well, they were, they were horrible people. They were, they were old, they were old free staters, you know. It was a case of go to the Republic and support them, shops or anything. See, and that, that, that's, that's, that's here at a kind of a gloom yet. That feeling, you know. 
that that bitterness is is still lingering on in town. call ourselves a republic if we didn't accommodate all shades of opinion. But for the past few weeks, we seem to have gone overboard in our commemoration of what I call Irish-born British soldiers fought in World War I. The media has been saturated with commentators who have their own version of history, and we are sick of hearing the same old line They died for the freedom of small nations. They even have the gall to tell us that these Irish-born British soldiers gave their lives for our freedom. But we know that our freedom was won by the Bides of Kilmichael and Crossbarry and several other ambush sites all over the country and not on the battlefields of Europe in World War I. While there are British soldiers still on Irish soil, the Lord Mayor of Cork last year saw fit to wear a poppy to a commemoration ceremony and subsequently give the freedom of the city to John Major, who did little or nothing for the cause of Irish freedom or justice or peace and whose party brutalised the people of this country for generations, I could say. The present Lord Mayor seems to be following on the same lines. He goes to the trouble of organising a commemoration for these soldiers and getting a concert going in the City Hall. The comrades of these people who he he is commemorating burned that same City Hall in 1920. We pride ourselves in being called the Rebel County. But if present trends continue... I think that Cork City will soon be known as the Imperial City. Two fellas from McCroom died and they went up to heaven and met Peter and they said to Peter, who's in charge here because we'll be again him. This is McCroom. A town, they say, that never reared a fool. was in their fibre to be against. Donal O'Mahuna. It's a place that resonates for Donal O'Mahuna. He talks about the white boys on Thahar Pather and the great lament written for Artu Lera, the poet and nationalist Peter Golden and the playwright T.C. Murray. Largely forgotten figures now. They burned it in case, you see, the tens would take it over and uh, use it as a barrack. They burned the castle to prevent the National Army from taking it over. And there's another great building, I don't know, can we see it from here? Mount Massey. It's a fine building and it was... uh, the shell of it is still visible. It's, it's, it's mentioned in the, in the McCroom song, Mount Massey, the flower of McCroom. 
Friends, come with me, and there you will see the apples and cherries in bloom. And to you I'll invite where I first saw the light in Mount Massey, the flower of Macroom. Oh, yes, I mean, you can go through them. Warden's Court was one. So many of them through the country. Uh, in County Cork. Bandon Castle. Kilbritton Castle. Beautiful castle. Well, Macroom was the first place that the Thames appeared in Ireland, apparently. They were sent to Macroom. And, of course, right through the United Irishmen, the white boys, the, you know, the agrarian... Uh, Macroom was, was very active, you know. The, the, the hinterland of Macroom, now Bellingeri, Clondroid, that area, like, they never bowed. We're looking at the remains of the castle. Sometimes history is about absences, scars on the landscape and the memory. And then the connecting building where the castle was. And that, that castle, as I say, was burned and was there then as a, a skeleton, a ruin, until 1966 when was pronounced dangerous and was knocked down. Unfortunately, now that tower is in private, it's a, a private yard. It's a, a garage, a private garage. There is no roof in it. It's a pity that it's uh, not refurbished, you know, because it's a uh, very solid, as you can see from here. On our left, across the way from. The castle building there, you can go across Castle Street, is uh, the Church of Ireland. Now, unfortunately, there's no congregation in that church, and for the next two or three weeks, it will be used as a Santa Claus cave. You know, people forget, you know, people forget. You're talking about another age. There's only not cases like myself that do any kind of study of these people and the kind of people they were and you know and appreciate, you know. I would have mixed the feelings about it. I appreciate very much I appreciate very much uh, they're suffering, you know. But uh, it is possible, you see, that what they achieved could have been achieved constitutionally if they had patience. Now, Yeats says that in his poem, Easter 1916, that uh, England might have kept faiths you see, their promise, Home Rule was, was passed. The Act, Home Rule Act was passed, but was put in abeyance because the Second First World War was on, you see. Now, it is quite possible 
that we would have less violence. I mean, there's no doubt about it, but uh, the Civil War and the War of Independence did leave a legacy of violence. That that uh, the way to achieve things was by, you know, the gun. And I mean, a lot of people have died as a result. Now, you know, appreciating now what fellas suffered in jail and the rest of it, you know, had, you know, had there been more wisdom, you know, I mean, it has lasted right down, you know, to 1990, like, you know. It's a long time. Kilvultra. Morning. Two and a half miles northwest of Macroom, a high windy place. This is a traditional farmhouse nestling in the hills, warm out of the cold and welcoming. I don't know whether we'll be able to help you or not. The talk, like everywhere else these days, is of the economy and the recall of pork and bacon. They're expecting that, uh, that the beef samples that were printed to London. It feels like a turning back to lost leaders and ancient truths. I mean, we both around the world about our health status, you know. On the table, there's a 1960s copy of Dorothy McArdle's book, The Irish Republic. The first time I saw David was in 1938, after he had got back to ports and the annual result settled. I was to the highest pinnacle of his career. He had got uh, he had got in in thirty seven without an overall, and then he decided to go for an overall in nineteen thirty eight. And I remember what age would I have been thirty eight, uh, thirteen years or something like that. We met him outside of the Newbridge, just outside the town. And I remember when the car stopped and the back the door opened and he sat inside. He'd have the kind of an effect in you that you were seeing God. David, that I tell you why he wouldn't remember exactly as far as yeah. that now. Would he would have that feel? You would have that feeling. Yeah. David, uh, he had a, he had extraordinary charisma, yeah. but then you wanted to look at, at Michael Collins's photographs to see. I mean, you could easily see where people had followed him to hell, like, wouldn't you? I mean, to see his appearance and you know. And then, and then well, uh, my name, as you know, is Michael O'Connor, and my family were deeply involved, and um, then they took the anti-treaty side. My uncle had been a lieutenant in the 7th Battalion. He, did, he was captured in the Civil War. He did 30 days in um, Gormanstone, and then, then as time went on, we evolved with it and became prominent in Fianna Fáil around You here. say it was simply a case that they followed some local... I Leader Shondon has said, it was the bloody vote. It was the bloody vote was the problem. You see, they were, they they were God-fearing be. men, all of them. Uh, which is, they were, they, they were very God-fearing men, Matt, all of them. And a, a note to them was an awful sacred thing, they. But then again, I said, you see, they didn't really know what they, what they were fighting for. But I suppose 
It is quite possible they fought two world wars and a big percentage of the soldiers didn't even know it what they were fighting. Didn't know. So, I mean, is a soldier's job first, justified? The first world war is the most crazy war that was ever fought. Like it was fought with military power of Germany, Germany and England. And, and, and you had the extraordinary situation where the old Kaiser, the Emperor of Germany, was a near relative of the King of England. Well, the first cousins? But of course, when you ran into it and fighting just for survival. Yes, uh, Belgium was one of the most vicious colonizers of all, sure, in the Congo, weren't they? And uh, poor little Catholic Belgium. This is the war to win world wars. Those men, a couple of years ago, had sworn a solemn oath to the Irish Republic. And now they were expected to renounce that and, and swear an oath to the King of England. You were out there the other Sunday at the commemoration. The, the, the humble of rocks where, where, where he had his men placed. There was no retreat met. Well, no, but you see, Michael, what people must remember there and kill Michael is to the first real ambush. And he, he must have totally banked in, in, in simply killing them in a matter of 10, 15 minutes, which he succeeded in. Because if it had become a long fight there like Crossberry, they would not have survived. They had no, they had no retreat, yeah. No. There was no hope, and there were no trees growing there. That no. was a bear, as bare as anything could be, like, just a hump of rock. But what men, 36 men, leaving that place that night at 2 o'clock, and then the priest comes out to hear their confessions by the side of a ditch. That's right. And then they go 10 or 12 miles to kill Michael, was That's it? Right, maybe 16. Raining down on the inside ditches sometimes, and mm. if they wanted to smoke a pipe, they dodge under a bush, like. Yeah. And arriving at 7 or 8 o'clock on that cold, wet morning, the 28th day of November. Mm. And they didn't lie down there then, behind the rocks, with their guns, until 4 o'clock, wasn't it? Four, four, five, ten past four. No, four. But to think that they were able to fight then at that stage, you know, wasn't it remarkable? Yeah, but I suppose all cold and all fear probably leaves in that position. The blood gets up. I'd say so. In the course of my life, I knew hundreds of them. Well, Did you, Matt? 65 years, I'd be... I've a good few bulls of odds than you. kind of count there now. Oh, I knew, I knew hundreds of them, and my... And every one of them, without exception, was... People of impeccable character. Oh, yes. Impeccable character. And, you know, most of them didn't rise to a high station in life, but no one of them had a small funeral. They all had big funerals. Oh, but what should we sit here now to... I met Lucien, eight of people also involved in those times in the trouble, and, of course, it followed on from there. Well, I was very... I thought very strongly one side, which would be anti-treaty, I suppose still do, but I would give it much more thought now and certain aspects not be not entirely 100% sure. Like. And um, is that all, Mark Singer? Yeah, you're very welcome, Don. Back out here, then, sir. We're going over the whole general scene, you know, as best we can. We could keep talking for weeks. We got involved during the trouble times. As a matter of fact, at, in the end of 1920, following the death of Terence McSweeney, and I thought that King Michael Lambert's thing that fairly hot in the city, saw the Cork number one, number one Brigade, which included Almit Cork, City and the of the Sea, that moved at headquarters to our host at Cotton Winchon, under Shano Hagerty. The family at home took the anti-treaty side in the Civil War, but Sean Hagerty, <coughs> he was against the treaty, but he was not actively opposed to it. 
Yeah, the game modernist influence on the mistils and oros. During the negotiations, even when they were trying to settle the war in early nineteen twenty two, he was uh, hanging around the place all the time. So he had a rather we were definitely anti treaty side, my mother's side as well, they were very much anti treaty and I would say he had a certain moderate influence on us, you know. We got to the funny thing. My mother, no, she was a mad Republican, but she always admired Michael Collins and she had no time for the Valera. And there was a funny thing, nearly the same atmosphere you could, you could get in there growing up. Definitely anti-treaty, but... And did she stay a Republican oh, yes, outside she, of Fianna Fáil? Oh, yes. Well, yes, I'd say she would have, yeah. But she wasn't Fianna Fáil, definitely she met supporter of Sean Lemass and all the cabinet, but not the Valera. And she always admired Michael Collins. And she could t- talk about anything associated with trouble, except even Michael Collins was shot. She got rather vague about that evening. She said that she had been making the coats that evening and when she came in, three tall men came out of the parlour and went out the door. And she never asked who they were. So she said, I suppose probably didn't. Did she know more than what she told us? Why did she get kind of rather vague about that evening, you know? That was doing she came in from making the coats and the three tall men came out of the parlour and walked out the door. And she never asked who they were. One was Liam then? One, the other one, I think somebody else said, so they were there and Liam Lynch and I don't know who the third one was. They were there, definitely more than anyway. Colin de Valera was around that evening. Yeah, he was not the other He was, he was. And he was seen in the village. And he left the village, and I suppose heading for the lawns. The three men came out of the, and walked out the door. But we were definitely anti-treaty, said. But... Say you're in an area like this, and you were saying, like, the IRA, after the War of Independence, all stayed, or more or less all yeah. stayed, solid yeah. anti-treaty. That became through the years, mostly Fianna Fáil. But where, where did Fianna Gael come from in this area then? Fianna Gael Historically. Came, came very simply. We'll say there was the IRA and there. We'll say their brothers and sisters. Fianna Gael came then. Well, there's no way of saying this, but a blunt way. There were, there were the people that more or less, if not opposed, didn't approve what they were doing. I suppose, in other words, maybe you'd have a case where Collins would have turned in his grave if he saw many of the people that came in and said they're following Miss Fina Gael, Frank. I suppose to put it bluntly, their mentality would be more near unionist than anything else. Of course, a certain number of, uh, of uh, good people who did uh, go uh, uh, treaty around here, you know, I mean, for instance, no Morty Bryan, the Lynch's, you know, John Lynch's people, the the Lynch family were the pioneers of Sinn Féin and McCroom. John Lynch, you know, who was second in command to Dan Corkery. All the, all the Lynch family went free state and afterwards to, to come on the ground in Fine Gael, like. And, and some other families as well. Collins actually accepted the treaty as a stepping stone to the Republic. Do you seriously believe that? Yeah. That if John Bruton had been Taoiseach over those years, we'd have a peace process in the Oh, no, no, that's what I'm saying. And there's also another thing. Sorry to interrupt now. Would you adjourn for a cup of tea? We will. Yeah. We'll have a cup of tea. Two, me- two yeah. minutes. Yeah. You're not in a hurry, are you? You're our last call, I think. <laughs> All the members of my family. Uh, they wore blue shirts going to school. Do you know they weren't a bit ashamed of it? It is in, in later uh, years that, you know, people took kind of a more uh, broad-minded view. 
but a lot of the older folk were alive that him they were they were very bitter. They remember the civil war, you see. But then as time went on, you know, it was forgotten. Almost forgotten anyway. But there's still an odd personnel that him they'd be bitter enough. Do you know wrong time of elections and things like that they wouldn't they wouldn't even talk to you. You think that you were a black? <laughs> the name is Tommy O'Connell. Tommy O'Connell in the square in McCroom comes from the same genetic pool as the men up in Kilvultra. It's just way back then his family took the other road. Dinion O'Sullivan, I I introduced him uh, out in Roisin at uh, in the nineteen forty eight election. I was only ten years of age at the time. I didn't know what I was standing up in the butter box for, but. <laughs> I was asked to see what I do, and I introduced him anyway. So I started working in McCroom in 1956. I'm still in McCroom. My father and my and my uncle, they were both, they fought in the War of Independence. And uh, after that, they took the pro-treaty side, and uh, they joined the Free State Army. After that then, when I came to McCroom, I joined the Fine Gael Party, in 1956 here in McCroom and I was uh, I was chairman of it for 14 years and in 1967 I stood for the local elections as a Fine Gael candidate and was elected I was there until 1985 and even when I started a lot of people were ashamed to have people come up and say oh you're voting for Fine Gael. a lot of the old business people in McCroom they never showed their politics at all they were afraid, you see, because uh, Fianna Fáil wasn't power for so long and uh, they were afraid like that if they'd come out and show their their their, their colours that it, it could do harm to their business. But I never thought that way. After that, then people started to come out of the world work like they were... Uh, they'd be ashamed to be Fianna Fáil today, the way the country has gone. But we took a stand and we stuck to it, through thick and through thin and... I always thought anyway that, you know, they stood for, for uh, honesty and integrity. And, uh, right, like I've been out at the Kilmichael commemoration a couple of weeks ago. Would you ever go to that, even though you're... No, I, I never did, strangely enough. And the reason for that was uh, there's a certain element that, uh, and it is mostly Fianna Fáil, they kind of try to take over all these things that they were... That that no one died for Ireland, or you you had to be a member of Fianna Fáil, and I resented that all down through the years because uh, there were before the split up in the civil war, there were great people on both sides, and they they all fought in the interest of their country. But like you now, as a lifelong Fine Gael man, would you consider yourself a Republican? I would, of course, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out screechy about it. We'd be as good as Republicans, as a lot of the the others, every bit. But they're only using that as a uh, you know as a lever. The only thing that they could say about Double Duty Casca, that he reduced the pension by five pence a shilling at the time, I think. And uh, they talk about that yet, but uh, there's a lot of worse things out that happening now than the word about it. Uh, that time they had to, you know, they had to balance their budget, and they did balance it. And you see, the civil war—that was the the worst thing that ever happened because after getting freedom, 
in the 26 counties, the, those, the anti-treaty forces, or later, Fianna Fáil, they went along blowing up bridges and, and, and burning castles, like McCroom Castle is one place they burned. And uh, they, all those, most of those bridges, certainly, they all had to be rebuilt again in a cost money. And that's what Cosgrave's government was left to do after the Civil War. You know, but you know, you'd hardly read about that at all in, 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 in any history books. It wasn't even taught in schools. You know, there was kind of a, a one-sided view given. I mean, people around here, they thought that de Valera was God. Anything he did was right. And a lot. There's a share of Malavia that think the same. When, uh, when de Valera took over 1932, it was a completely different thing. Uh, he, he told them to burden everything British except their coal. And that we could live with, he could build a wall around Ireland and live without England. Do you think we could have lived without England? Lord gotcha, in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, they'd be eating each other here in McCroom and around the country only for England. They had to go to England to get a living. So that's what I would think about it anyway. That the, 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 the great men, you see, who took the wrong side in the Civil War had to leave. Outside, the gloom is gathering on the banks of the Salon. Against the darkening sky, the castle tower looks sawn off, abbreviated, like an abrupt ending. It's difficult, you see, because, you know, a lot of these people were related to me. Uh, and they... They did what they thought was necessary. But uh, I, 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 you know, I don't blame them or anything like that, but, uh, you know, I don't think you should broadcast any of this because it's, it's all heresy, you know. Uh, you know, Tom Shatto, Tom Shatto She, we may Shatto Shatto Nishigan Shatto Nukaikis. I guess this talk, I go will, um, go will, no, no, Publitanus, no Publitanicus, Edehe. Tashe Kache, you know, Tashe Imhe, the Vishi, the Vikshe Gung Guma, the Vishi Guma Gung Lady Trukanebeda, Nurvi Makar de Galer, Insanaya Regus, Kritiko, a Brizun Sakarak, Agus Shing Nigdal Temple, like Kana. Up the Republic we raise our battle cry. Pierce and MacDonald will pray for you and high, eager and ready for love of you they died. Proud march the soldiers of the rear guard. 
winter corky a harja a comradiha a real a gasclinian and ugly kill deal back in kilmichael the keynote speaker is declan carney usually described as a senior Sinn Féin strategist. Friends, Kilmichael was a defining point. He's a good orator and he hits all the right notes. Partition and the continued denial of national independence are still wrong in 2008. He attacks the bankers and the Gombean men. Those establishment politicians have forfeited the right to counsel on what democratic and patriotic duty should be. And this government's solution... On behalf of the men of no property. ...gombing interests over the interests of ordinary people. The IRA volunteers who marched to do battle at this place 88 years ago did so as men of no property. On the other hand, he's calling for a broad-based consensus, a kind of coalition of the willing with Fianna Fáil. We from Sinn Féin, those from Fianna Fáil, other Republicans... At this stage, I'm unsure of who's who. It's not right, it's not fair, it's wrong. In his way, Con O'Callaghan, who delivered the first speech, was far more radical than this. He challenged an emerging national consensus about the First World War. A united Ireland in our generations today. We need to bring a 21st century momentum to the achievement of that united Ireland. 90 years after the first Doyle, we're all being invited to the Mansion House. We are appealing to all nationally minded political parties, organisations and groups to set aside sectional interests to organise a new patriotic unity And as a contribution to that work, we invite each one of you to join with us in our celebration of the 90th anniversary of Ancaid Dal in the Mansion House on the 21st of January this year coming 2009. I remembered that book on the table up in Kilvultra. Dorothy McArdle wrote, whether the Irish Republic ever existed has been disputed, not only by jurists, and not only with words. For the Irish people, the Republic was, for a few tense years, a living reality which dominated every aspect of their lives. Its existence was a fact of human history, if not of logic or of law. When the need for war and armed actions should give way to negotiations... Maybe now, after all of that, 90 years later... Every man and woman and child amongst you reached the As we make our way towards the mansion house described for us as the inner thing that says I'm right. The Republic has come to mean whatever we want it to mean. Every volunteer, every one of the thirty six volunteers who stood up and fought for Ireland in these hills and drumlands and the roadway of Kilmichael was right. And, and maybe it's safer that way. Who for the of we're also right. 